Just a few years after the Second World War, Benjamin Britten turned his creative imagination to a short story by Henry James. The Turn of the Screw is a ghost story with some disturbing effects and an ultimately devastating outcome. Jonathan Kent's 2006 production, which attracted such critical admiration at the time, returns to the Glyndebourne stage for the 2011 festival, with Glyndebourne on tour's music director Jakob Harusha conducting all performances. Mia Pearson is singing the role of the governess, with Toby Spence as Peter Quint. I managed to catch Jonathan and Jakob late into the stages of rehearsal to ask them how the production was developing. Is there a certain mindset that would help people to come to this opera if they're just sort of imagining preparing themselves for this performance? How would you like them to to come to the house? I think they should come to watch the story unfold. I don't think they should bring any... They don't need to bring any preconceptions. I think it just... It's just to follow the, the story of this young woman arriving at a strange house and what unfolds and what it reveals to her about herself. I don't think they need to bring part from a picnic. <laughs> <laughs> well, the picnic would be the picnic would be the, the opposite direction to the trajectory of the opera, you know? So a picnic gets you uh, happy more happy and happy uh, happier and the and the opera of course is is getting more desperate and and sad. But that that will balance it well, I think. I was only asking the question because, of course, so much has happened since the 1950s and people sort of perceive, you know, stories involving children, for example, in a completely different, well, different I way. Well, think, I think, you know, that's what is delicate about it. And yes, we, what we have done is lose our innocence, not just the innocence of childhood. We are now, perfectly understandably, but we are very nervous about dealing with children and our our response to children. And that's what makes it quite a dangerous piece. And that's, But dangerous in a way that isn't flagrant. But we too have lost our innocence. So, you know, I know that you're aware of your, your attitude to children in a way that you weren't there. I mean, there's a scene that I that we've done in in the opera where which I remember my from my childhood and a lot of this is sort of my childhood but you know being wrapped in a towel by my father and you know and but now it that carries a baggage which I think is sad for us we've lost some of our innocence as well as childhood has lost some of its innocence and and that's the slightly disturbing line it treads and that's what gives it its potency I think and that's where the libretto is so clever too because it also treads, never mind the music, it treads a, a delicate balance between something which is disturbing and something which is a, is a lost innocence. The ghostly elements, the, the sort of supernatural elements, Britton said to his librettist not to worry about those, that he would look after that in the music. How has he done that in the scoring, do you think? Well, there are two elements, I think. One is the colour of the orchestra. All that music which is connected to the ghosts is put uh, surprisingly very often to very soft and uh, and filigrane instruments like celeste and and melodic percussion. Uh, never, it's never really shocking. It's rather um, uh, somewhere between the lines. 
And the other aspect is, I think, uh, a tension which is created between the world of the ghosts, musically, and the world of, of the living people. It's really uh, always the, 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 the semitone relation which creates an, an incredible tension. So uh, that concept is really valid for the whole opera. And for listeners, for, for viewers, I think the, the color uh, almost frightening by how, how, how gentle it is, uh, is the most significant thing, I think. And it's seductive too, isn't it? It's very a, much seductive. That, I think it's fantastic. So I think it, this is stunning. This is very Britain, I think, that it, it's so clever. It's not the first choice. Like we would be frightening people by, by some special effects. It's not effects. melodrama, is no, it, at all? at all? No, no, no. It's, no. That, it's, it's, a, it's, got, it's a psychological exploration yeah. of, and it's very of our desires. Intelligent. And even if you take the story out of the music, what, what stays is, is, is really a piece uh, to be interested in. So that's maybe the answer uh, to your question. He didn't need the story to help him to communicate with people, but of course it inspired him. So what he did is this duel inspired by the story and giving the story back its meaning. And this two-way stream is, is fascinating. And of course, uh, technically speaking, this is this is a chamber opera. There are just the six singers so. and, yeah. and thirteen instrumentalists. As it, yeah. I think, what are the challenges and what are the opportunities that that come about from it? It's being a a chamber opera musically here at Glyndebourne. Well, the challenge for conductor is that it's so well uh, written. I mean, uh, there are so uh, so precise intentions and and markings that. Uh, you just can get annoyed by that in a way because you you don't you're not expected to add too much into it but i feel personally that uh, more precise the markings are more inventive you have to be how to in- in- interpret them that's one thing of course in glanborn in this acoustics I think it works wonderfully, or it will work wonderfully. I hope so, and I heard it, it did last time, because the environment, the, the whole house can bear the chamber music very well. If it's, if it's in a very huge house, it could, it could uh, destroy it. So it's, very, it's fitting, this uh, yeah, environment. Yeah, I mean, the house itself 
you know, in another production, I can imagine a sort of promenade production where you would, you know, take the audience down to the lake and, you go know, you could house, in, you know. go into the house. Oh, it, did, you, did you fancy about it? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you have actually made a connection there, haven't, haven't you, by, by yes. bringing a little bit of yes. the I mean, but not filming he- at the lake. Yes, exactly. You, you can't ignore where we're doing it. So, uh, yes, of course. And this chamber aspect for you also, being able to work with just this very small number of singers in, in this quite intimate space, that must be a, a big factor in your Yes, your and, the, and I, I love that, actually. I mean, I, th- I, I find so um, satisfying about doing it. It really is, just as, as Jakob was saying, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a very controlled score, so it's a very controlled libretto and a controlled world. And it's so fascinating to, as these people circle each other and in, in this sort of brilliant machine of, that, that he's created. It's, yeah. it's a very satisfying thing. It's, a, it's like clock making or something. It's, you know, it's, you have to just make sure that every cog fits and that, that, that has a satisfaction in yeah. it. And for, for the players as well, I think, as I've experienced them, it's a wonderful thing to, to step out of the mass of the orchestra and just really be responsible for every note with full care and enjoy it. And it's really for every single player of that 13 instruments, uh, it's, it's rewarding. It's, it's a great piece to play, I think, yeah. and to sing. And to sing. And to conduct. Because everybody, everybody has such responsibility in it. You know, there's no, there are no small parts in it, for one thing. You know, there's, there's everybody carries the, the narrative, the burden of the narrative. It, it, it sounds as if there's a synergy in this sort of precision engineering between what you're doing on stage and, and also what you're doing musically. What's it like working with this particular cast? Like all great works of art, it takes its its colour from the people who you know from the people who are actually performing it. So, in this incarnation, it is completely unique in that Mia brings her own personality to it, as she indeed should. Anyway, I'm interested in in theatre, which is not impersonation, but is sort of revelation. And it is revelation about not simply the character, but also the people playing it. And I think that's an, an interesting um, process as they, as they find their way into the part. They, they turn facets of themselves to, to the front. And, uh, I mean, I did this before, and it, it's, this is very different Although, of course, it's exactly the same <laughs> set. But it, I find it fascinating the way things can be com- exactly the same and yet completely different. That's what I love about live theatre, whether it be opera or, or theatre itself. Yes. And, and Jakob? Well, I'm just, uh, I'm just very happy. Uh, there should be said that, uh, that Mia Persson uh, came to, to that process quite late announced because she replaced Kate Royal and we are all just amazed how, how well she's doing and she indeed uh, brings a different perspective mm-hmm. to the role and all others, I think they're fitting wonderfully and, and they, they seem to be a good uh, uh, to one another as well so yeah. that's, that's what makes one's, one happy always I think let me just ask you about where this fits in with Britain's work, because 
many of us have still got ringing in our ears from from last year the amazing production of, of Billy Budd, which you know was enormous male voice chorus and a completely different scale of, of Britain's work. This is Britain in a completely different mood, isn't it? I think I like this small-scale Britain more, personally, because more intimate you get. It's like with chamber music. Not that every composer is better in chamber music than the orchestral music, mm. but the chamber music is somehow nearer to the core of, of, of the composer's uh, soul. And uh, he, he or she doesn't need to take care so much about the effects, uh, about about combination of of those forces, about about uh, uh, balancing them well. That, that the piece is not too loud all the time or not too intimate all the time. And I think Britain was very interested throughout his career, as Shostakovich, for instance, uh, in the intimate moments. So even if he has a, a huge score, he chooses a lot of time to work with couple of instruments only. So here he is in the turn of the screw, I, I think. He is I, I, in his realm, mm. and it works very well for it him. It seems like a personal piece. Exactly. Um, that he really was so full involved in the opera that before he started the next scene to be composed, he sent the previous scene in 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 his draft to the printer to 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 have them yeah, printed out. You know? right, yeah. <laughs> so he really <laughs> no changes. He was really one of those composers having ability to have all that piece once at a time in 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 his mind, and he also composed it very quickly, a couple of weeks actually. So that's really really amazing, and 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 it shows that it was very close to him. Indeed, and the composition process we we understand was a little different from his other operas in that he he'd often asked a librettist virtually to decamp in, in Aldborough for the duration of of his composition, and you know they were talking all the time. In this case, uh, Mifenwe Piper was a busy mother and couldn't do that, so so they had a more more distant. But funny enough, I think the libretto, I think, is completely brilliant. I think it's a fantastic... It echoes the economy of the music brilliantly and the, the austerity of the music in so, with incredibly refined um, a libretto. I think the libretto is, is wonderful. You know, it's a passionate and, and visceral piece, but at the same time done in, in, it's sort of like a Fabergé egg or something, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't contain the most terrible things and the most frightening things. And, and people at the, at the mercy of forces they don't understand and not even knowing that they are at the mercy of these forces. So, but that's what the great sort of conflict of the piece is, is, is this controlled chamber piece containing this volcanic world of, of desire and, and, and fear. Which is, in other words, that it gets deep. I mean, there are pieces which uh, have a, a huge effects but stay on surface, but this is really all the effect is coming from the inner yeah. conflict and inner yeah. drama. That's what interests me very much. Yeah. I'm not interested in, in, in the operas which just bring effect which disappears in the next second again. This is really a lasting effect it has on one. Wonderful. Jonathan, Jakob, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you very much. Yeah.